Well, good morning, Covenant Network. Here it is, Monday morning, October the 4th. It's hard to believe. It's already October, but I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. And I love that it's been raining all weekend, uh, mainly because the allergens are down. I love that too, and I love the rain. But here we go. Let's pray our morning offering together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my friend, relatives and friends, and for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's good to be back with you. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, and I mean, I feel like it's been a while, and it has been. We had Radiothon last week, and thank you to everyone who gave a listen last week and called in and made a pledge and all of that wonderful stuff. I'm always very grateful for your support. It was great to meet so many of our faithful listeners who come in to support the station as well. Um, So, you know, it's just a, a good week last week, a busy week last week. And then, you know, a busy, busy weekend. Beth and I uh, were very privileged to attend the Sarah Club's uh, Vocation Appreciations Dinner and Dancing Friday evening. And, uh, you know, we're praying for vocations and and praying for all those who are in seminary or or religious formation right now. And I invite you, you know, whether you're a Sarah or not, join in prayer. Pray for vocations. Pray for vocations in your parish. Pray for vocations in your parish, you know. And then I, I really encouraging words um, at that dinner, by the way, that I want to share with you just from, from the vocation director for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Father Brian Fallon. Um, he said, you know, it, it, it's good to pray for vocations. He was talking about how good it is to pray for vocations. But he also said that you and I, you know, we have we have eyes and we have ears, and we might meet a young man in the parish who the more we talk with him, the more we get to know him and whatnot, we think, you know, that's a young man. He could be a priest someday. That's a young man that, you know, if he became a priest, that's the kind of guy I'd like to see become a priest. Don't just wait for someone else to ask him, have you ever thought about a vocation to the priesthood? Maybe you ask him, you know. Now, don't go chasing everybody around in the parish. My wife had to remind me of that. Don't go chasing everybody around. Uh, but it was it was a good thought. Then we had our, a weekend full of soccer games, and like you, I'm sure Saturday got rained out. We got some rain on Saturday, but we got some soccer games in yesterday. The uh, Cardinals finished the regular season yesterday. It was one of those, you know how I'm always telling you, the day revolves, Sunday, the day revolves around Mass. When are you going to Mass? Everything else revolves around that. And if there are other things you have to do, they have to revolve around that. So we had a very interesting experience with that yesterday. You know, we uh, we had to pick our son up. So Beth worked the weekend at the hospital. She was gone all weekend. And our son was at scout camp, so we had to go pick him up. And pickup time was 9 o'clock, which meant it was too early for us to go to 8 o'clock mass and then head out to camp to pick him up. That wasn't an option. But by the time you get there and they, they finish policing the campground and doing their litter cleanup and, you know, every every man stays until everything is put away, ready to go. 
You know, so that all they're leaving behind is the field in better shape than they found it. By the time we did that, it was too late to get to 1030, man. So I'm like, no, this works out. We'll get home. He can take a shower. And then we'll go to noon mass. And I'm thinking, who has noon mass nearby? And I'm thinking, well, the new cathedral has noon mass. But, you know, that's that, it, as wonderful as it, as it is, it's not our parish. We'll go to our parish. We'll go to the old cathedral. I forgot that the Cardinals game was at 2.05 yesterday. So getting to mass, no problem. Mass was lovely, 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 lovely. Leaving mass, everybody in Cardinal Nation was coming downtown and the parking lot attendant at the old cathedral, she and I just kind of looked at each other and she's like, I don't know how you're going to get to the highway there. It's only about 30 feet away, but good luck. And I said, thank you, I'm going to need it. We did fine. And then we had an afternoon of soccer games and fun. And it was just an all around good weekend. Why do I tell you that? Because, you know, in all of that, someone said, well, why did you, you know, you had a lot going on. Why did you have to get to Mass? And I said, because that is what we do. And uh, it was worth, it was well worth the headache of getting in and out of the, well, not getting in the lot. Getting in the lot wasn't a problem at all. There was nobody around then, just the Mass goers. But getting out of the lot, yeah, it was worth that headache to do that. And the kids were like, Dad, why did we come? Why did we have to go do this? And it's like, kids, because this is how it is. This is, this is how we roll. And that's what we do. And they're like, okay, we got that. We got that. Now, I want you all to know I am the meanest dad in the world because I would not let my four-year-old daughter bring a stuffed animal that makes noise to church with her. So instead, she sat on my knee. She paid attention. She tried to listen to the readings. I don't know if she how much she was picking up, but she was asking me all sorts of questions. What is, what is Father doing? What is Father doing? It was a great, great moment. Luckily, we were in the back. There was no one around us. So, you know, just whispered in her ear from time to time, Father's doing this, Father's doing that. And uh, great, great weekend. Hope yours was a great weekend. Um, we got a lot to look forward to this week on the show today. We're going to be talking, um, you know, how, how could I forget this? Later on today, we're going to be talking with Bishop Tilka, the uh, coadjutor bishop of the Diocese of Peoria. You know, one of the things we kept saying in Radiothon is that Peoria, WPMJ, is the newest station in the, the Covenant Network list. Um, we took over operations of the station earlier this year, thanks to a very kind uh, invitation. They've been Catholic Radio uh, for, for quite some time, and, and then we were invited to become part of it. And so P- WPMJ is part of our family now, and we, uh, I, I, in fact, the week before Radiothon, I drove up to Peoria. Had a lovely drive up there. It was quite beautiful, driving up 55 to 155, and I forget where we went from there. Uh, had a wonderful lunch in downtown Peoria, and then went to the Pastoral Center and interviewed Bishop Tilka, and we've got one of those interviews for you today. Also today is the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. And so who better to speak with than a Franciscan? And we'll be talking with Sister Mary Carolyn Noons about St. Francis of Assisi. And, uh, you know, I went to St. Francis of Assisi grade school, um, grew up in the parish, and there's a lot about St. Francis that I learned that I was like, huh, I did not know that. I did not know that. And then Sister Mary Carolyn, she might shed some, in fact, I'm sure she will shed some new light on our reflections on St. Francis of Assisi. So that's what's on the show today. And then Wednesday is going to be Respect Life Day. We're going to be talking uh, about the Respect Life Convention coming up here in St. Louis. We're going to be talking with Dr. Pat Castle of Life Runners on Wednesday. It's going to be a great day. It's uh, and, and a busy week around here. So let's get started. Let's go to Mike Roberts for that check of the weather, and then we will be back.
Well, upper-level winds control the weather we have at the surface, and they're going to be a little strange this week. An upper-level low gets cut off, sits around our area for the better part of the work week before lifting out on Friday, which will mean unsettled weather today through Thursday. So afternoon clouds and a few showers with a high of 75, partly cloudy and a low of 60 tonight. Then tomorrow, afternoon clouds, showers, and a few storms with a high of 75. On Wednesday, showers and storms are likely both days with a high of 72 Wednesday and 75 on Thursday. Then that low is gone on Friday, so mostly sunny with a high of 50, partly sunny on Saturday with a high of 82, and then on Sunday, partly sunny, a slight chance for a storm in the afternoon with a high of 80. Today is the memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. Born in central Italy in 1181, Francesco Bernardini was born into privilege and grew up surrounded by all the trappings of the family's place in society. As a young man, he was handsome, smart, and witty, but Francis had a conversion. Actually, he had several, and the last occurred when he was selling fine cloth in the marketplace while working for his father. When he was approached by a beggar, he was so moved, he gave the beggar all his money, all the money he had and his father's from his father's business, which enraged his father and abused his friends. Francis felt called to prayer deep and lengthy prayer. And he heard the Lord say to him, Francis, everything you have loved and desired, it is your duty to hate and despise if you wish to know my will. So Francis took all of his possessions, gave them to his father who was demanding repayment, and then went begging door to door for the poor. And he would do this for the rest of his life. To many, and for quite a while, Francis was considered a religious fanatic, and yet he began to attract followers. He did not intend to start a new community, but soon he had so many followers there was no other choice. Francis was a great preacher, and he knew he was called to preach about the suffering of others and to celebrate all of God's creation. But he also yearned for prayer and contemplation. Near the end of his life, he was given the stigmata. He died at the age of just 44. Pope Francis said he chose that name after being elected when Cardinal Vladio Humus said to him, don't forget the poor. The Lord also said to St. Francis, Francis, go out and build up my house, for it is nearly falling town. At a time when our church is under attack, and so many in the world are without homes, when even the planet we live on is suffering, let us all pray for the intentions of our Holy Father. St. Francis of Assisi, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Well, today is the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, and having grown up at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Oakville, it's always a, a fond memory for me. And I think back to this image of St. Francis that we had on all of our school sweatshirts, and it was on the outside of the building, and it was a silhouette of St. Francis, and he's holding up his hand, and there on his finger perched is a little bird. Until the Athletic Association got a hold of it, then they removed the bird and put a spinning basketball, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. But, um, you know, for many of us, that is our idea of St. Francis. We think of the birds and brother, son, sister, moon. However, there's a lot more to St. Francis. And so here to help us break open this great saint, we thought let's, let's bring in a Franciscan. We're always happy to have with us Sister Mary Carolyn Noons from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Sister, so good to be with you today. Great to be back, and happy feast day. Right. So, so favorite thing about St. Francis? Oh, gosh. Um, so there's so much I could say. I think that my my favorite thing probably is his love for the passion of Christ. If I could boil down Francis to one word, it would be passion. So not birds. 
Definitely not birds. Yeah, the people who think that that Francis is all like bird bath, pet blessing, and tree hugging, they got it wrong. It's actually the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist are the three hallmarks of Franciscan spirituality, and the place that every Franciscan finds him or herself really at the most for the most part, like praying. So, uh, but of those three, the cross for me and and Francis's love for the passion really has my attention. And um, but not only his love for the passion, but the passionate way with which he lived his life. Wow. All right. So. Where, though, if, if we're going to talk about the crib, the cross, and the passion, when so many people think of the birds and, and, and the, the sun and the moon and the stars and all of creation, where does that come from? I mean, it's real. It's not that Francis didn't have a great love for creation, but I think the reason that Francis had a love for creation is different than our um, contemporaries may want to imagine. The reason that Francis had a love for creation was because he recognized that God was father of all, that God was creator of all. And so his reverence for creation has little to do with creation itself and so much more to do with the creator. He's always pointing us in that direction. Even even the canticle of brother's son, right? The heavens are telling the glory of God. There's lots of different musical settings of it, of course. Um, but but really, the heart of the prayer is, praised be you, my Lord, especially in brother's son. Praised be you, my Lord, especially in all these elements of creation, right? It's, it's all directed towards God. You know, someone asked me one time, what's the greatest piece of art you've ever seen? The greatest masterpiece? And I, I actually thought back to the first float trip I ever went on. It was on the Current River in southeast Missouri, and the tr- we were we were kind of it's not really a canyon because I mean I, it, how deep does it have to be to be a canyon? We're talking maybe twenty foot rock faces on either side, not much. And then there were trees above those, and there was a canopy of trees above us, and the water was flowing. And you, I, I mean, I can hear the water now. I can smell the water. I can see it, and it was beautiful. And I said that that was a beautiful work of art that that God painted. You know, God put that together right there, and and that's where I love. St. Francis and his love for God through creation. But you're right. we got to get to the, the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist. And, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. and that's an important thing. The, you know, the other thing I think of San Damiano, sure. and, and of course we watched the movie about St. Francis when we were in seventh grade religion class. Francis go and rebuild my church, and he goes and gets some rocks and some bricks. And it's like, actually, I, I meant the, uh, the church as uh, a living community, but that's good too. The rocks are good too. Good starting place. Sure. <laughs> so, so, so when we talk about the the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist, why is that? Why did he have such a profound love for those? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Francis was a very tangible kind of guy. Like everything was, you could touch it, you could taste it, you could feel it. That's the way that he grew up with his, the flashy clothing of his father, who was a wealthy cloth merchant and, and very wealthy. And I'm sure he had very sumptuous foods and whatnot in his life. But all those things that he could touch and taste and feel, the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist are the three places where we can really, like Jesus comes to touch us. We could taste him even in the Eucharist, right? And and to feel. Like he feels the nails being driven through his hands. He feels all of those things. So it's very fleshy. And that's the essence of Franciscan spirituality in that regard, the incarnational aspect. So, um, Greccio, right? Christmas at Greccio, that he wants to create for the people at Greccio who go to celebrate Christmas Mass a very tangible expression of the reality of the Incarnation. So he brings in the ox and the ass, and they have a grand old time, and uh, they say that, that there was a vision of him holding an actual infant at the moment of consecration, right? So just the beauty of that. Or the Stations of the Cross devotion is a very Franciscan devotion, a follower of Francis, Leonard of Port Morris, or he's the one who brought us that devotion. And at the time, reservation of the Blessed Sacrament was not something that was widespread, but Francis really like recommended the beautiful prayer that's people sometimes pray when they pass by a church. We adore you, O Christ, here in all your churches throughout the world, and we bless you because by your holy cross you redeem the world. Very Franciscan prayer, uh, much more than the peace prayer, by the way. That's a much more Franciscan prayer to, to have that little adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Now, when we talk about the cross and St. Francis, one thing we should remember is that for him, 
his lived experience. We want to talk about tangible oh. with the passion of our Lord is something that, that you know, still, it, it always baffles my mind, and that's the stigmata. Yes. Yeah, we celebrated the Feast of the Stigmata in mid-September, September 17th. So as it, as it goes, Francis was preparing for the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel through a 40-day fast. And in the midst of that prayer, he prayed that he would be able to experience the kind of love that Jesus experienced when he was dying on the cross. And in that moment, as Francis experienced that love exploding in his heart, he also experienced the pain of the crucifixion and the wounds of the, of the Passion as well. I can only imagine what his reaction to that was because, I mean, I often tell people, be careful how you phrase your prayers to God because God will sometimes give you exactly what you're asking for. Lord, help me to share in the love that you had on the cross. Well, then we're going to share in the cross. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. That is not a bad thing. Right, but I think the beauty of who Francis is is that he also lived the joy in the cross. So Franciscan joy is also it's kind of a hallmark of, of Franciscans. And, and I, I experience that in Franciscans that I meet from all over the world and from all different communities. Like That is a, a real common denominator. There's a real joy and a joy that's united to the cross, that they don't have to be separate. Now, some 2,000 years after the cross, we still get to participate in the sacrifice on Calvary every day with the sacrifice of the Mass. And that was a great love for St. Francis. You mentioned the, the the prayer as you pass by the church, and that prayer I think of when we pray the Stations of the Cross. Again, another Franciscan thing. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you. Um, how can we how can we take these lessons? You know, and, and, and by all means, today, go out and enjoy creation. And take your pets to the pet blessing if, if that's sure. going on. Do all of these things. These are not bad things, but take it to the next level too, the crib, the cross, and the Eucharist. How can we live Franciscan spirituality in our everyday lives starting today? Yeah, so I think other hallmarks of Franciscan spirituality, and in, in addition to the joy, the, the perfect joy of Francis, there's, a, the, of course, the beautiful story of him and Brother Leo, and Brother Leo says, what is perfect joy? And Francis says, write this down, and he goes through all these different things, and it ends up with them getting beat up and left for dead, and he's like, that's perfect joy. <laughs> I was like, that's not perfect joy to me, but Francis... Francis gets it. Um, so perfect joy, but also humility and poverty. So people, you know, St. Therese is a little way, of course, and we celebrate her in October as well. But St. Francis actually, I think in some ways, was living the little way before Therese and the, the way that he lived poverty and the way that he recognized poverty and spirit to be so important. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of quotes that are attributed to him that are not necessarily what he said, but he did say this. He said, Blessed is the servant who esteems himself no better when he is praised and exalted by people than when he is considered worthless, simple, and despicable. For what man is before God, that he is, and nothing more. Well, Sister, I can't thank you enough for giving us a little insight into St. Francis today, more than just birds and spinning basketballs on the, the silhouette that I grew up with. Friends, go out there, celebrate the day, look for God in the beauty of all creation. And uh, I think we should close with a prayer, sister. Yes, I'd like to close with one of my favorite Franciscan prayers. Uh, I love his prayer before the crucifix, to pray for God's will as a vocation director, very important. But my favorite Franciscan prayer is called the Absorbiat. Um, so I'd like to close with that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May the power of your love, O Lord, fiery and sweet as honey, wean my heart from all that is under heaven, so that I may die for love of your love, you who were so good as to die for love of my love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Francis. Pray for us. We are going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, and we will be back after this. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network, and we are delighted to be on the road today to the furthest location we've traveled so far, and that is the Diocese of Peoria. We're at the Spalding Pastoral Center with Coadjutor Bishop Louis, Louis or Louis? 
Lewis. There was some controversy about that at your well, consecration. The, the uh, Apostolic Nuncio, uh, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, being from France, noted that uh, my the spelling of Lewis uh, is also the French uh, spelling, not uh, L-E-W-I-S, but L-O-U-I-S. And so uh, in France, you would pronounce it Louis. So I'm fine. Louis, Louis, Lou, Big Lou, Little Lou. Father Lou, Bishop Lou, I, I, I got all kinds of Lou's. Well, there you have it. You heard it here, not first, but officially, Bishop Louis Tilka, the, the coadjutor bishop of Peoria. So good to be with you today, Bishop. We are talking about our daily challenge to grow in holiness, our, our daily endeavors to live out our baptismal calling. And I was struck by your Episcopal motto, and, and I imagine this is one of those things that when you receive the notification, the Holy Father is appointing you <laughs> bishop, there are all sorts of things, and, and one is someone said, you need a motto. Correct. And so you chose, go make disciples. Why is that? I, I chose my Episcopal motto, uh, and I would backtrack on that simply to, to, to say that you know, when I look at the scriptures, you know, it's so rich uh, and more of a personal model um, that I have incorporated and tried to live by in my own life comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. What does God ask of us but to act justly, love tenderly, and walk humbly with your God? That's actually inscribed on the chalice my family gave me uh, when I was ordained a priest. Those are words that I've tried to live by uh, ever since I started to discern my calling as a priest. Uh, so it was it, a friend of mine, when I was named bishop, kind of said, well, you're, you already got your motto because you've been trying to live that and walk that for, uh, you know, uh, all these years. But the more I thought about it, where I feel my own life is at, at the present moment and where I believe we are at in the present moment of the church, uh, I was drawn much more uh, to the words from the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission, that Jesus gives us to go make disciples. So uh, I felt that that's really, I really did feel that, that that was what the Lord was calling for me to choose, uh, that, that as a motto. I believe everything that we do in the church today um, should have been doing <laughs> since the start, uh, but uh, uh, more so than ever, I guess, the, the reality of evangelization and going out and, and, and making that task, that mission that Jesus shared with us, uh, present to everything we do. So it just seemed that that was the way to go because I think this is where we are, even in my own personal life, that sense of being called a, a disciple. Now, as we sit in your office, I notice right above your desk you have the, the papal bull or proclamation naming you as coadjutor bishop. And so we think, well, who, who's going to go make disciples? Obviously, there are your credentials right there. Pope <laughs> Francis has said, you are, you are to go make disciples in Peoria. But I, I wonder, who is qualified to, to be a disciple? And what are, what are the qualifications necessary for us to be sure. disciples? You know, uh, we are all called to be disciples. It's not the calling of the pope, the bishops, the priests, the religious, uh, anyone who is baptized into the life that we share with our Savior Jesus Christ is a disciple. How we understand that, develop that, and grow in that, I think there's a lot of room <laughs> for uh, us to uh, deepen our, our awareness of our discipleship. Um, the fact is that uh, Jesus said to go make disciples. He didn't say go make Catholics. Uh, he didn't say go make Christians. He didn't, you know, tell us to go make anything but a disciple. And 
A disciple is one who looks for a master teacher. Obviously, Jesus is our master teacher, uh, but learns from the master teacher a way of life. It's not just about learning facts or uh, sayings or teachings. It's, it's really to learn a life. And a disciple is one, and all baptized people uh, of Jesus should be looking to him as our master teacher, trying to incorporate his way of life into who we are, which means we need to learn to love as he loved, to forgive as he forgive, to heal as he healed, to be compassionate as he was compassionate. I mean, it's, it's not, again, just learning about him. It's about learning from him who he is and who we are called to be. And so, you know, your credentials to be a disciple of Jesus come because you are baptized. I think of that term we hear that I, I'm a practicing Catholic, and, and I joke around that because some days I, I, I do all right with that. Some days are, as the saying goes, some days are harder than others. Sure, uh, sure. But the desire, it sounds like the desire itself to want to grow closer to our Lord is really the key component. Right. You know, and, and we, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, these days in the church, the, the, the need for evangelization to uh, the new evangelization to go out, right? One way to look at discipleship is is that, um, you know, I can say I'm a disciple of Jesus, but if I'm not really trying to incorporate him into my life, then am I really practicing that, right? Uh, but as I grow, uh, as I deepen that relationship, because it's a relationship first, right? Um, you, you have to be in relationship with Jesus as a person. But as I begin to deepen that relationship, I become more intrigued, um, desirous of getting to know Jesus, and as I get to know him, I get to learn from him. And eventually, hopefully, for all of us, we get to the point where we realize that we, we can add missionary to disciple, right? So we're a disciple because we're trying to incorporate and deepen this relationship with Jesus into our lives so that we can mimic his life in our own life. But at some point, we realize it's not good enough just for me as the individual disciple of knowing and loving Jesus. I have to go out and share that same experience with others. And so that's where we deepen that level of discipleship to becoming missionary disciples. Now, no pressure for you as coadjutor bishop of Peoria, but we are in the home of Venerable Fulton Sheen, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and I think, you know, similarities, uh, you're a bishop, he was a bishop, I'm on the radio. He he was on the radio and television, but I know for a fact I am no <laughs> Archbishop Fulton Sheen when it comes to teaching our, our listeners, and uh, that's okay, though. Witness is witness, and that's different than teaching. Right. You know, there, there's a big uh, difference between evangelization and catechesis, and uh, a lot of people confuse evangelization and catechesis. Uh, evangelization is giving witness, right? It's kind of the fancy word to say we're called to witness our relationship with Jesus. Uh, we're called to uh, witness in an authentic way how Jesus has touched our lives and invite others into that same relationship. And especially dealing with young people, uh, you know, they want authentic witnesses. If you are authentic, even if you got the facts wrong, but if you are authentic, they are more open to your witness. Um, when we get into catechesis, that's, that's teaching. 
that's that's learning uh, in 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 a, a way that's not necessarily you know the best teachers I had also witnessed <laughs> their faith in Jesus you know the blessing of going to Catholic school but catechesis is more than just getting the facts and figures like the the, the math equations or the uh, you know the the history lessons and that there, there's a lot more to catechesis but in a very you know generic way saying catechesis is learning the truths of the faith learning the catechism learning you know, uh, the tenets that we hold true, uh, witnessing, which we are all called to do, uh, I may not have all the facts and, and data correct, but if I'm witnessing a real relationship with Jesus, that's what's going to have the impact. I think often of, of the young man and the young woman falling in love, that they want to learn about one another. Why? Because they are attracted to one another and they are falling in love with one another. They may not know everything, but they want to go deeper. Sure. Now, as uh, a bishop, obviously, we said, we're, ex- we're expecting you to go out and make disciples. We're expecting the priests and the religious to go out and make disciples. But the Second Vatican Council uh, was very clear that the laity are called to this in, in the dogmatic constitution, Lumen Gentium, saying that by virtue of our occupations and our places in life, by working in factories or hospitals or law firms or schools or wherever it may be, we have a, a unique opportunity that you do not have as bishop Correct. to go out and witness. Correct. You know, the laity, the whole church is called to witness, right? You know, we're about to start the Synod on a Synodal Church. Participation, communion, and mission are the themes uh, in the heart of this synod. In, in the Diocese of Peoria, I've, I've been uh, spending, I, I've done 10 of 12 nights of meeting parish leaders, uh, asking them questions about what are the opportunities for the church, what are the challenges of the church, uh, you know, what are the priorities in your parish, what advice do you give to your bishop, you know, we're in this together. Um, and, and people have uh, far more reach by living and giving that witness in wherever they are, their work, their schools, the soccer field, the grocery store, uh, wherever that, the people of God are, they have far more opportunity to give an authentic witness to their relationship with Jesus than I do as the bishop who, you know, most people see when they come to Mass or when I visit for a confirmation. We're all in this together, and we all have co-responsibility to share in, in the work, the mission that Jesus has given to us. And many times, the reality of that neighbor that I know, that person in, that I encounter at school or at work, uh, when they give us that authentic witness, it's going to have a much greater impact than when the expected person walks in and perhaps is going to miss the opportunity because they're they're not as close in the relationship that they share. There's not the level of trust or uh, uh, just simply shared life experience that will open the, the possibility for the seeds of faith to be planted. Um, that when you have those relationships, it's all relational. It, it is. I, I notice often in my life when I see people in certain responsibilities, I already start thinking to myself, how am I going to either say yes or no to this person? Walking out of the grocery store, seeing the, the troop of whoever selling the popcorn or the cookies, if I don't want to buy cookies, what's my answer going to be when they say, would you like to buy some cookies? When I see Father coming at the parish to say, Adam, I have a question for you. I've already prepared in my head whether I'm going to say yes or no to whatever Father might ask, but I'm not expecting my neighbor sometimes to be the one asking. Right. And, and when you have those personal encounters based upon an authentic witness, they mean so much more. Uh, they're often so much deeper. You know, I, as, as you say that, I'm thinking to experience um, 
you know, years ago, one of the things in the seminary when I went through, we had to do this hospital internship uh, called CPE. Most people dreaded it, you know. <laughs> but uh, I remember in a conversation, uh, and I'll, I will always remember this, you know, we were talking about as a group of, of uh, seminarians and other folks who were in, from other, it was ecumenical, so other denominations in that, and we were talking about, um, you know, giving witness to our faith. And one person said this, and it's always stuck with me. She talked about going to uh, be with a family whose child was dying. And uh, she said, you know, I walked in, I felt so inadequate, I didn't know what to say. And I just walked up and I gave them a hug and I said, I do not have words for you, but I could show up. And so I did. And that was the witness, you know, that that was the that was the authentic. I don't have the words. I don't have the message, but I could stand here with you in this moment of grief. And that was what was needed, you know. And many times I think we will walk into situations uh, both priests, religious, and laity, and bishops, where we go, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but the fact that we show up is that authentic witness of the loving relationship that we want to share with God. What a beautiful reminder for us. Bishop Tilka, could I ask you to close our time with a prayer for making disciples? Sure. Lord Jesus, you call us in every age and at every time to give witness to our faith in you. May we be faithful in our calling as your disciples. May we continue to encounter your loving mercy in our own lives so that, empowered by that experience and that grace, we may use the gift of the Holy Spirit to find the courage and strength to go out and witness in the world the experience that we have shared for others to come to know you. And we make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Bishop Tilka, thank you for hosting us here in Peoria. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. You know, normally I would say, Patty Schneier, tell us our theme for this week of Daily Dose of Encouragement. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture a guess here, that as we begin this month of the Rosary, and as we celebrate this week the Feast of the Holy Rosary, I, I just have a hunch that we're going to be talking about the Holy Rosary with our Daily Dose of Encouragement this week. Patty Schneier's with us. Always good to have you here, Patty. Yes, you guessed it, Adam. We are going to talk about the Rosary this week. And I know you talk about... The Rosary here on Covenant Network, we talk about it a lot, encouraging our listeners to pray the Rosary every single day. But today I want to talk a little word of encouragement to maybe someone out there who does not really, I hate to say this, like the Rosary, but I did not like the Rosary for many years in my own life. I didn't like its rote repetition, and to be honest, I just didn't think that I had to go through Mary to get to Jesus. That whole idea of praying to Mary it just didn't do anything for me for many, many years. So I want to give a word of encouragement to some, to the people out there that maybe do not make the rosary a part of their devotional life and maybe just don't see much meaning in it. Here's what I want to offer to you or give to you to think about this week. There's an, a verse in scripture that was very, very crucial for me in my own understanding and appreciation of the rosary. It comes from the Acts of the Apostles. And it was after the ascension into heaven and the apostles, the disciples are all in the upper room and they were afraid the doors were locked, but they were in the upper room. And scripture says the disciples were in the upper room at constant prayer together with Mary. Believe it or not, it was one little tiny preposition with that changed my whole understanding 
of the rosary because I had to say to myself, do I want to be a disciple of Jesus? Yes, I do. Then I should do exactly what those disciples did. Be at constant prayer together with Mary. And on that day, Mary became my prayer partner. And I realized she's the best intercessor in the world. And I want her praying with me. So that's how the rosary became an important part of my life. And I just offer it out to anyone out there who maybe does not feel the same way about the rosary yet. But I hope that that will help you discover it in a new way. So pray with Mary. Let her be your prayer partner and discover the rosary in a whole new way. Who would have thought that one preposition could have such a profound impact? Patty, I want to thank you for this daily dose of encouragement. Well, upper-level winds control the weather we have at the surface, and they're going to be a little strange this week. An upper-level low gets cut off, sits around our area for the better part of the work week before lifting out on Friday, which will mean unsettled weather today through Thursday. So afternoon clouds and a few showers with a high of 75, partly cloudy and a low of 60 tonight. Then tomorrow, afternoon clouds, showers, and a few storms with a high of 75. On Wednesday, showers and storms are likely both days with a high of 72 Wednesday and 75 on Thursday. Then that low is gone on Friday, so mostly sunny with a high of 50, partly sunny on Saturday with a high of 82, and then on Sunday, partly sunny, a slight chance for a storm in the afternoon with a high of 80. We are back. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. And before the clock runs out on us, we do want to answer today's Catholic question of the day. The Catholic question of the day, how many psalms are there in the book of Psalms? According to the Hebrew numbering, as it appears in the Bibles we use, the answer is 150. 150. And here's a little side note for you. If you were to pray all, uh, no, back before the Luminous Mysteries, all three sets of mysteries, how many Hail Marys would you pray? Aside from the, well, including the three introductory ones, you'd pay, pray 153. Um, the rosary for a long time was known as the Marian Psalter because before the faithful could read, you know, back when reading was not universally prevalent, uh, so much so as it is today in our culture, um, the faithful could pray the rosary instead of reading the Psalms because, well, they couldn't read the Psalms. So a uh, great little tidbit for you there. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes for being with us, Father Mark Goring for sharing his words with us, and especially Bishop uh, Tilka for taking the time to sit down with us and speak. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today. Thank you.